Hello, Discover here to explain our cash back match. Here's how it works. We give you cash back for using your Discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway. Then we match that cash back in your first year. And that's why we call it Cashback Match. Now to recap and say cash back one more time. We match all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Hi, this is Bob Costas, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter, back with you all over the major platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer, and anywhere you get your pods. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by Bryant and Stratton College, the Al and Angus Pub, Stanley Law Offices, and our great, great friends at CNY Electrical. If you're in and around Central New York, Get on over to CNY Electrical, cnyelectrical.com, all of your commercial and residential electrical needs. Sean and his staff are crushing it. CNY Electrical, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Let's go around the bigs. It is MLB.com's Anthony Castrovince, also a correspondent on MLB Network, at Castrovince on Twitter. Castro, welcome. I'm well, Mike. Thanks for having me back. Uh, nice to be uh, in, the, in the flow of baseball again. No doubt. What can't Ronald Ocuna Jr. do? Yeah, I think um, I, I don't know the answer to that question anymore because he's he doesn't have as much swing and miss in his game as he's had in the past. And you know, we've it, it's easy to get distracted by shiny objects. And, and Juan Soto was really the talk of Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis Jr. were really the talk of the offseason. Um, There's a lot of talk comparing Soto to Ted Williams in terms of just the plate discipline, and that's very accurate. He's he's incredible. And Fernando Tatis Jr. is one of the most incredible athletes any of us has ever seen on a baseball field uh, and had that mega contract with the Padres. So, in a way, Acuna kind of got pushed to the side a little bit, which is strange just because, you know, he is such a, a key member of a really good Braves team that came and went away from the World Series. Um, he didn't have quite as dynamic a year last year as he, as he had uh, in 2019, um, where he almost had a 40-40 season at 21 years old. So, um, so I guess that's part of it, but you know, clearly you can see now uh, what the fuss is all about. He, he's been fantastic in the early going. You know, I've said for a long time with, I mean, a, a long time during a short career so far, right? But, um, yeah. you know, for, for well over a year, for two years, that Ronald Acuna Jr. is the guy I would take if I were building a team you know, to go five to seven years and try to win a championship. Look, he's a five-tool guy. He's an outfielder. He affects the game in a million ways. He's not, you know, an analytic ball player by any stretch of the imagination. He is a he's a wonderful, all-around, versatile, balanced guy, and yeah. he's a stud, and everything he does is great, and the impact is amazing. I've said that I actually probably would take him number one to build around. Anthony? Yeah, I, I've had that internal debate with myself as well and with other people, and I've, I've written, um, particularly with Soto, it was, it's always been easy to compare him and Soto just because they came up around the same time, sure. they're both in the same division, they both are outfielders, so it's a really tough one. Um, I might lean towards Soto for the long, long haul just because I just think that hit tool, uh, it just ages so well, you know, um, that, that discipline that he has, but there's no doubt that in, in terms of doing everything, Acuna's your guy, you know, um, and you know what he can do in the base pass to go with, uh, you know, what he can do at the plate. So yeah, it's, he, he's probably the more dynamic in terms of all the tools, but um, but yeah, it's just it, it comes down to personal preference, and 
to, I'm sure any team would love to have that choice <laughs> of, of which one to have long term. The Dodgers, I mean, they're unstoppable, right? They really are. Um, that the last season was so strange, and it was it was nice to see them win it because that lent some credibility to a very strange, very short season. Um, I don't think anybody had any doubt that they could have done what they did over the course of one in a full 162, you know, as opposed to the sprint that we had. Um, and now they just pick up where they left off. You know, they're all the, all the stronger, uh, obviously, in the rotation with Trevor Bauer. And um, I don't know. If you can find a flaw, you let oh. me know because I, I don't see one. You can't you can't do anything against these guys. <clears throat> you know, I yeah. mean, they hit, they hit for average. They hit for power. The bullpen looks good. Kershaw's back to looking like a Cy Young guy. And he's like yeah. their third best starter at this particular <laughs> point. And they added Trevor Bauer. It's, it's um it really is absurd. Do you have any issues with the Trevor Bauer situation right now with the with with, with the junk and going back and forth on on it with baseball? Yeah, that's tricky because uh, you know the way that came out and has been handled to this point, um, it, it certainly seems to point a finger and, and single out Trevor Bauer when obviously this is something that's rampant in the game and has always been ignored. Um, and so I understand on the one hand, uh, you know trying to get, get <laughs> no pun intended, but get a grip on this issue. Um, but you know, I, I don't think anything, I'd be surprised if anything specifically happened to Trevor Bauer. There's a chain of command issue, a chain of custody issue there with the balls. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just think it's something where one of two things either needs to happen. We need to, need to have a new ball, a tackier ball, which is something they've experimented with in spring training in the past. Um, or just make the umpires enforce the rule, you know. Yeah. Um, if a team complains, have the umpire check the pitcher and, and, and do it that way. But, you know, this, this, in terms of discipline, this would not be the way to do it. I, I think, really, they're just trying to make it clear that, uh, you know, that, that things are changing in terms of how this will be viewed. So give me a team that's better than you thought, you know, as we record this about, what, 10, 11, 12 games into the season. We're still pretty young into it. But give me a team you thought – uh, was going to be really, really good. That's worse than you thought, and a team that maybe was just going to be ah, eh, that's better than you thought. You know, give me, give me a better, give me a worse. Uh, well, the ah, eh, that, that's better for me so far would be the Angels. I, I know there was a lot of people uh, hyping them up in spring training because Otani looked so great, and um, but I, I don't know. I was a believe it till I see it guy with them, and, and still to a degree am. Um, but they have done it here early. They've been, they've been really good early. Uh, I still do have questions about how the pitching is going to hold up how Otani is going to hold up uh in that particular role um and then a, a team that uh that's kind of more on the uh on the disappointing side of the equation is got to be Oakland um you know they they played better of late but they got off to such a slow start um you know they started out 0-6 and that was a team I picked to win the AL West despite their departures and free agency but now yeah, they start slow every year so it's kind of like maybe we should be used to it by now um but, you know, nothing too dramatic on either side of the equation in, in terms of, you know, positive or negative. I just think we're, you know, we're, we're trying to get in the flow of the season here. It's going to be a really interesting year just in terms of how teams do hold up because of, of the shortened season last year and, uh, you know, that, the effect that can have on pitching. So how teams manage that and how teams uh, does their depth get exposed over the course of 162, that, that'll be the big storyline as, as we get a, a, you know, a wider body of games. Anthony Kastrovitz, MLB.com, contributor MLB Network, of course, on Twitter, at Kastrovitz. Um, 
Just a couple more for you here, Anthony, and make sure you pick up his book, by the way, uh, A Fan's Guide to Baseball Analytics, major bookstores, Amazon.com, and online platforms where books are sold. Uh, you know my feeling on Brian Cashman. You know my feeling on the Yankees. This is just too predictable. And I know I know you're going to come back at me. Oh, come on, man. I, I live in Cleveland. You Yankee fans are... I'm not saying you have to win the World Series every year. You know that. I, I, I know that. But... When you have the resources, you have the international scouting, you've got a guy who's been there for over two decades. You have a guy who saw it from Bob Watson and Gene Michael. He was there, he took over, he made some decent trades at the back end of the decade, and he's seen what a winner looks like, how to build a team, you know, how to how 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 to get guys to pick each other up, that pitching matters more than anything still. It, it, this is just so predictable every year with the Yankees. When will people, when will the and Yankee Twitter is insufferable, so we'll just leave them out. But when are people going to realize on the big scale that the Yankees are really actually not that good? They're a regular season team, 95 to 97 wins. The pitching's going to get taxed. The bullpen's going to end up getting taxed. They can't hit with runners in scoring position, and they're going to get exposed in October. When are the majority going to wake up and understand this? I guess if they get exposed in October again, and, and you know, you might be right, Mike, and, and because the the body of work is compiling here to where they haven't been able to take that, that step that you expect them to take, which is into the World Series. Um, and there have been some puzzling moves, no doubt, in, in terms of, as you said, the resources and not willing to go the extra mile. Um, I mean, what are we doing with the luxury tax threshold? It, it, you know, I, I understand it on one level because I, I see how the tax can add up and, and really cripple you long term, but um, but their avoidance of it while still doing uh, the occasional blockbusters put them in a weird sort of bind where they're a little top-heavy, you know? They're top-heavy in the rotation. It, it led them to take gambles uh, elsewhere in the rotation. Now, I am a, uh, a Clevelander, a, a small market uh, mindset to where I just assume that because the Yankees signed uh, Corey Kluber and, and Jameson Tyon, that you know, all of a sudden those guys are going to be Cy Young winners. You know, they'll put on the pinstripes, and all of a sudden they're yeah. They're but that doesn't happen out. much anymore. I mean, those days are long gone. Seem, yeah. yeah, I guess not. I guess not. Yeah, the Ver- remember when Vernon Wells all sure. showed up? And, yeah. yeah, Aaron Small, Sean Chacon, <laughs> yeah. Vernon Wells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it yeah, hasn't happened to date, and and they've got maybe too much relying on those guys. So I, I think your criticism is is very much warranted at this point because. You know, they, they kind of tied their own hands, uh, essentially. And, you know, you can't just buy your way to a championship anymore in baseball. It's not how it works. you got to have the, the strength in your system. And they've shown some strength in their system, but they've also had a lot of inconsistency to go with it. If you had to buy baseball stock on fun, just fun, how much fun am I going to have watching them? How much fun am I going to have betting them? How much fun am I going to have buying apparel? How much fun am I going to, you know, have watching the face of this team? Who do you buy fun stock in, you know, baseball stock from a fun standpoint in, uh, into in this league? Is it San Diego? Is it the White Sox? I'll tell you what, the Blue Jays might be in that category. Who do you who do you buy stock into from a fun standpoint? I think you just hit on the big three for me, and I, I put the, the Padres at the top of that list because okay. uh, you have an all world left side of the infield and, and Tatis and Machado when Tatis is back and healthy, and hopefully, you know, hopefully what they're saying about him will be true in terms of his recovery from that shoulder injury, but. Um, you know, just depth all over the field, exciting young talent too that's that's integrating into the big leagues. So they've got it all. Um, and the White Sox and, and Blue Jays 
can be that. Uh, the White Sox are, are hung up with the Eloy Jimenez injury. hurts them quite a bit in the lineup. And, and uh, you know, the Blue Jays are without George Springer currently, so they haven't really reached their level offensively yet. Uh, but, yeah, th- those are three teams that I think, you know, I, I, I would uh, love to buy stock in, I guess, at this point. Couple of quick hitters to close the Indians uh, and 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 the White Sox. I mean, what a as we record this, what an unbelievable display last night by Shane Bieber and, and Lucas Giolito. Yeah. Giolito, a guy who I watched pitch for the Syracuse Chiefs many times, uh, was in that deal with Ronaldo, uh, Ronaldo Lopez uh, for Adam Eaton years back. Um, they were dialed up, they were going. Boy, two parter here. It's just awesome to still see that between guys in a low scoring game, right in a pitcher's duel, and as a follow up to that. How much pressure is Shane Bieber on now that the Indians have had a couple-year fire sale here? Lindor gone, Carrasco gone, Clevenger gone, you know, others are gone. How much pressure is he under? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think they're under pressure to, you know, maximize the Shane Bieber era and uh, and perhaps extend him, you know. Um, but he he's 25 years old. He has full arsenal at his disposal. He's just been... It's amazing his development, even within the big leagues, in terms of throwing harder and expanding uh, his arsenal and just commanding the strike zone with it. Um, as far as uh, you know, kind of where they're at in, in general. Obviously, it's a transition type of team right now, but um, you know that that can certainly aid the transition when you have a, a horse like that at the front end and some other good pieces to go with it. You know, they're, they're top in the rotation; has been very good so far. And it was great to see the Beaver and Giolito matchup everything you wanted it to be you know that doesn't happen as much as you want especially in this era where guys don't go as deep into games and it's early in the season so you don't expect to necessarily have Shane Bieber pitching in the ninth inning but he was so efficient that he was able to do that Giolito was terrific as well so that was just a, a really fun ball game one of the you know one of the early highlights of the young season all right final thing final minute uh Mike Trout Angels you mentioned that team earlier in in, in the interview yeah. how important is it for baseball to get him into the playoffs it's very important, you know, because that's your that's where your legacy is truly built, and that's why we got. It's it's one thing that Derek Jeter played in New York, but it, it helps that he played literally the equivalent of a full season, yep. yeah, 160 yep. some games uh, in the postseason. So just the national audience just gets to know you, you know, yep. and and that's important. So um, I, I don't know. It's 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 frustrating the way that club has been handled over the years, and and just not having enough to get him to the point when you have a, a player who's on the war scale worth 10 wins a year and you can't get his playoffs, it's, it's almost hard to do. Um, so it would be great to uh, to see it happen this year. Yeah, you look at the uh, absurd career stats and what he's putting together and the MVPs, three of them, and the player of the year and the all-star MVP twice and eight silver sluggers, a rookie of the year, a 500-plus OBP career, 1,200-plus uh, on the OPA. It, it's absurd. I, I, I want to see it big time, and he's off and running – Hope he stays healthy. He's hitting 368 as we record this. Anthony Kastrovitz, at Kastrovitz, on Twitter, MLB.com, MLB Network contributor. And, uh, of course, go get the book, A Fan's Guide to Baseball Analytics, online where books are sold and, of course, major bookstores. Castro, thanks as always. Thank you, Mike. Enjoyed it, man. Wanted to spend the last bit of the podcast here, the other half of the podcast, talking some NFL round one mock draft stuff, you know, some updated things. Before I do that, a big tip of the cap thank you to Ken's Auto Detailing, Axe Exotic Pets, and our great friends over at Stanley Law Offices. Don't forget, folks, go on over to stanleylawoffices.com. Check it out. Your personal injury attorneys are here to help you. Stanley Law Offices, together, 
they'll work to get you the maximum award. This NFL draft is, you know, look, I I said it, I think, on a show last week or the week before. Just kind of getting to the point where, like, I'm I'm over... um, I'm, I'm over the the breakdowns. I'm over listening to pundits tell me and you and everybody else in, in, in between, you know, oh, this is what Trey Lance can't do. You know, this is what Justin Fields can't do. Uh, this is what player XYZ defensive, this is what they can't do. Oh, the film doesn't, you know, let's, let's talk about what they can do. Remember what they were talking about with Josh Allen? I mean, they talked about two things that he could do and 10 things he couldn't. Josh Allen was one win away from the Super Bowl last year. Now, again, he has to have that sustainability, and I understand that. But I would rather hear more about what guys can do as opposed to what they can't do. And things have just gotten really interesting since I last did, you know, some NFL mock thoughts as far as round one. Um, You know, some updated things where I think guys are going to go. The pro days have happened. Uh, there's more film out, more teams are, are doing more due diligence right now. The interviews have gone on. You listen to more shows, you listen to more insiders, you listen to people who you know have talked to people within the walls of a front office. You listen to former GMs. Um, you know, and, and I'm gonna just kind of highlight a few things here that, that, that have stood out to me as we're just, you know, I don't know, I guess a month away or so and change away from the draft. Um, you know, I'm very intrigued by the number four spot because will the Atlanta Falcons with a new regime with Arthur Smith and company, are they going to commit to Matt Ryan and say he's still got plenty left in the tank? I think Matt Ryan does have plenty left in the tank. And in fact, he's a guy in the NFL who I have actually felt bad for. You know, I understand he makes money playing a boys game and all the rest. That's not what I'm talking about. They were up 28-3 in the Super Bowl a few years back against the Patriots, and his head coach, Dan Quinn, elected to not run the football after Julio Jones made that spectacular catch along the sidelines. That was the football game. That was it. That should have been the Falcons' Super Bowl, and they could have still been riding that, of course, and and prevented Tom Brady and Belichick and company from winning yet another one, right? Um, and, man, poor Brady. He would only have six right now. Can you believe that? Um, but I just feel like... The Falcons, that, that that window was so, so open. And now Matt Ryan's considered a guy who, you know, doesn't have a Super Bowl. The Falcons are in a possible rebuild. I mean, all these things have happened because they lost that Super Bowl. I'm not saying the Falcons would have stayed up at the top of the league if they had won the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they would have created a dynasty. I, you know, it's hard to do that. I and mean, what we've seen with the Patriots, we're not going to see ever again in our lifetimes no doubt, but what you what you look at is at least sustainability in a playoff contender every single year. Look at Seattle. Even with Seattle winning a Super Bowl, having the Legion of Boom, and then having to pay Russell Wilson and, and leave, you know all these guys leaving or getting traded away because you had to pay the quarterback. If you look at Seattle since then, they've still been one of the trademark franchises in the NFL. Because they have Pete Carroll, because they have Russell Wilson, because they have a great front office, and because they figure it out and they draft really, really well, and and they're just able to put it together, led by Russell Wilson, they show up in the playoffs. They win 11 games, 12 games, 13 games. They show up in the postseason. They win a playoff game. Maybe they lose one. Maybe they get to the NFC Championship game and they lose. But they're there all the time. Atlanta not winning that Super Bowl has created all sorts of havoc 
The front office completely got blown up. The head coach gets fired. If they just run the football and won that Super Bowl, they wouldn't have a number four pick right now. We wouldn't be talking about rebuild. We wouldn't be talking about Matt Ryan and a possible Hall of Fame career or not, and the or not part comes in because of no Super Bowl ring. There are just so many other factors that have had a, that have taken place here because they didn't win that Super Bowl. You know, Julio Jones, do you want to trade him now while he's still got a ton of value and build around Calvin Ridley? That I mean, that question a couple of years ago was absurd to ask. This team that was routinely a Super Bowl contender finally got there. Finally, it was it was a slam dunk. You're up 28-3 late in the third. You cannot lose that football game. It's the greatest collapse in sports history. It, it's not even debatable. And I know the Yankees in 4 with the Red Sox. I know all the collapse. This one, because it's the NFL, the biggest stage, the Super Bowl, was the biggest one. And against arguably the greatest dynasty in sports history. So... The Atlanta pick at four is is really, really, really fascinating to me. I have my eyes on that more than anything, honestly, in the first round because they could go one of two ways. They could go quarterback, which would then put quarterback at one, two, three, and four for the first time ever in the draft because it looks like Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones are going one, two, three, although there have been whispers lately that San Francisco does like Trey Lance a lot. They like the upside. They like the arm. They like the you know, almost like a little bit of a Josh Allen mode there. They like the blue collar. They like the chip on the shoulder. Um, so we'll see. But, you know, quarterback, the 49ers traded up to number three to get a QB. That's it. That's the list, right? But the question becomes, what happens at four? Does Justin Fields go there? Does Trey Lance go there if he's not picked by the Niners at three? <clears throat> you know, or do the Falcons with Arthur Smith and his, <clears throat> you know, crazy, robust offensive thoughts does he say, to hell with it, you know, we're keeping Matt Ryan, we're keeping Ridley, we're keeping Jones, I love this team, I can work with this thing, I'm an offensive whiz, and I'm going to add another offensive playmaker, probably the best player in this draft, to that offense, and we're just going to go try to outscore and blow people out, and that's Kyle Pitts. That, to me, if you add him in there, you do one of two things. You can keep him with all the other weapons. That maybe frees you up to trade Julio Jones and get defensive assets. The Falcons need a lot of defensive pieces. But to me, between the quarterback decision and the Kyle Pitts decision and, and how everything in between with Matt Ryan and Ridley and Julio and that team, is it rebuild, is it not? That, to me, with the new regime and Arthur Smith, the head coach, that is the pick that I'm watching for the most. You know, you go from there... Uh, Penay Sewell will probably go at number five to the Bengals. I think at this point, a lot of mocks have had him there. If he doesn't go there, expect Jamar Chase to go there from a familiarity standpoint because he played with uh, Joe Burrow in college. Uh, and then I, you know, I just think it's going to be a lot of playmaker type stuff between you know five and or six. You know, in that range, Kyle Pitts could be if he's not taken by Atlanta. You got a you know a a, a, a JC you know, playmakers on defense too. By the way, I mean I think Patrick Sertain and JC Horn are playmaker type guys. You got Jamar Chase, you got Devontae Smith, um, you know in that area, and, and then you kind of you kind of wiggle into the offensive line, other offensive line linebacker type category uh, categories with the likes of um, you know and also Jalen Waddle. By the way, the wide receiver uh, out of Alabama. Is another uh, is another guy who could go maybe like eleven to the Giants. Um, I think the Giants are going to take uh, 
for sure, I, I think they're going to take a, um, a a playmaker, uh, you know, to help out Daniel Jones. I think they should take a playmaker. I would expect them to take, you know, um, or a lineman. I think for the Giants. Um, but but if I'm if I'm Dave Kettleman, if I'm the Giants, I'm going straight to a a Waddle or Devonte Smith. I mean, I'm getting I'm getting a burner for Daniel Jones. There's no doubt. You get Saquon back. Uh, it's an offensive game. Uh, and then, you know, down the list, you, you know, you get into that offensive line, as I mentioned, linebacker type area, playmaking defensive players too, like Micah Parsons, edge rushers, maybe, uh, the Phillips kid out of Miami. Uh, you know, you've got the, uh, uh, the terrific DB in, in terms of Greg Newsom, the second out of Northwestern, uh, you get into those type of players. And so, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty interesting to to watch moving forward. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, the linebacker out of Notre Dame, has all of a sudden fallen in mocks. And again, we know that a lot of this stuff is a crapshoot as it is. So, um, you know, those are some of the things I'm looking forward to. I know a lot of people uh, are intrigued in my neck of the woods and, and and on the other podcasts I host called Bills Brawl. What Buffalo will do at thirty. Uh, at this particular point, I'm actually leaning towards corner. Uh, I'm leaning towards someone in the secondary, a defensive back. Um, you know, with what they've done in free agency, with Matt Breida coming over, a running back, what they've done going out and finding a punter, bringing, bringing the band back together with, you know, Daryl Williams and John Feliciano and Matt Milano. Uh, what they've done there, uh, I, I, I think that the Bills really want to fill. And Brandon Bean could go any which way. He could trade up. He could trade down. He's a shark. Uh, you know, he could go BPA, best player available. He really could. Uh, he could add depth to the offensive line. He could be looking at positions. Uh, what happens if Tremaine Edmonds doesn't work out? You know, do we need to go get a Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa and plug him in for depth and then just turn it over to him, you know, maybe in a year? So these are all questions, obviously. And with the looming contract of Josh Allen coming, you've got a situation where you've got to start to think about other pieces on the football team and how to survive, you know, if people go. Uh, eventually there will be a day where there is no Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde in, in the secondary. Do you go get a safety to build depth there? Uh, but I think the Bills right now, with the window that they have to try and get back, or, or get to, I should say, and win a Super Bowl after the year 2020, I think they're going to go secondary. I really do. Whether that's Tyson Campbell, whether that's uh, Greg Newsom II, whether that's um, somebody else. We've seen, obviously, I, I think a lot of stock lately has risen uh, for Caleb Farley, the secondary man out of Virginia Tech, a, a potential shutdown corner. Uh, if a couple of those guys go away early, I think J.C. Horn is going to be long gone from South Carolina. Asante Samuel Jr. is a phenomenal fit for the Bills as well. He's a phenomenal fit help for a lot of teams in the draft who need a defensive piece, a guy who can play corner, a guy who can play safety, a guy who can play uh, in man and in zone. So, uh, And he's an athlete out of Florida State who I think uh, is a scheme guy. So uh, the draft is, uh, you know, look, I need this thing to happen now. I'm sick and tired of the mocks. I'm sick and tired of the draft. I'm sick and tired of the, uh, the hype. Uh, I just want it to happen right here, right now. And by the way, one final thought that I do have is the New England Patriots at number 15. You kind of just get the feeling, don't you, after they blew a bunch of money on Jonu Smith and on Hunter Henry and some defensive pieces, Bill Belichick's just kind of lurking in the woods, isn't he? I mean, he's 69 years old. It, 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 it's, it's a time where he's probably pissed off from last year and the Patriots 
not making the playoffs and Tom Brady winning another Super Bowl in Tampa, having fun doing it, getting drunk during the parade, throwing the Super Bowl trophy from one boat to the other. Gronk there winning it. Antonio Brown there winning it, of course. <laughs> you know, so you, you, have, you have Belichick, who's probably mad. I can't wait to see what he does at 15. I mean, does he go with like a Micah Parsons defensive leader, captain type player, a linebacker suited? I mean, we've seen that before with the Winoviches of the world and others who he's drafted. He loves those type of players. Or if available, because for some reason or another, Justin Fields, who got his clock cleaned against Clemson, hung in there, was the best quarterback without question in the college football playoff, had a great career at Ohio State, was the face of Big Ten football and college football in terms of let's play this season. What are we doing? I mean, did, does the Big Ten play football even without Justin Fields making a move? I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't. So having said all that, what happens if Justin Fields drop, 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 drop? Like he keeps going and going and dropping and dropping and dropping. Because if he's not taken in the first four, he's not going to be taken for a little while, right? I mean, maybe, maybe... A Washington trades up to number eight and gets a quarterback, right? Like maybe, I mean, Carolina's been, you know, kind of rumored to be trading out of that spot at, at number eight, right? Like I, that's a possibility. There's no doubt about it. Um, but you think about Justin Fields. If he's not taken, if the first four court spots are quarterback spots and it goes Lawrence, Wilson, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, or Trey Lance, Mac Jones, you know, Justin Fields is just left out there. And that could be a perfect fit for New England. He can learn a thing or two about Cam Newton, a guy who's been around the block a little bit. People love Cam in the, in the locker room. He's got Belichick. They went out and spent some money on some weapons. And now he can use the chip on the shoulder thing. Put it this way. Everything's on the table for the New England Patriots at 15. Trade up, trade down, stay where you are, go offense, go defense, go quarterback. It's all on the table. Let's get this mock, uh, or let's get this draft going right now. I'm tired of the mocks. <laughs> I'm tired of. I'm tired of listening and talking about it. Let's go. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends at Rosie's Corner. If you are in and around Central New York, pizza, wings, pasta, hot and cold subs, and more. Fish Friday every week. Pair it with the mac and cheese or the fries and coleslaw at Rosie's Corner. A big tip of the cap. Thanks as well to. Our good friends at Liverpool Physical Therapy, Welch & Company Jewelers, Camilla's Golf Club, and Western New York OTB and Batavia Downs Gaming. Log on to BataviaDownsGaming.com. Check out their concert schedule and all the things they have going on, the terrific restaurants and more. Go play, go stay, go have fun at Batavia Downs Gaming, BataviaDownsGaming.com, and Western New York OTB. Proud ML Sports Platter sponsors. Make sure you get to your local OTB throughout the state of New York and Syracuse, Watertown, Rochester, Buffalo, you name it. Go place those bets all racing season with your local OTB, Western New York OTB. Again, ML Sports Platter here all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review where you get your podcast. Hit me on Twitter, at Mike L Sports. And as I always tell you, enjoy the games. really woken up 
until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. McDonald's, I'm loving it. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. Don't miss our weekend special. Save $1,000 on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus free premium delivery when you add a base. Ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.